Hey everybody, this is episode 33 of Artist Soapbox. Hello and welcome to Artist Soapbox, a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am Tamara Kassane. In this episode, I have the pleasure of talking with the artistic directors of The Bipeds, a dance theater company. Choreographer and dancer Stacy Wilson and banjo player and songwriter Curtis Eller have devised a unique compositional approach combining movement, music, and lyrics to create a compelling hybrid of dance and song. We discuss why the Bipeds collaboration makes such good sense and how it inspires participants to blur the lines, break out of the ruts, and have deeper conversations. We also dive into the Bipeds' upcoming performance of 54 Strange Words, playing June 21st through 24th at The Fruit in Durham. You can find ticket information in the show notes and on our website, artistsoapbox.org. Curtis Eller is a banjo player, songwriter, and rock and roll singer. A 20-year showbiz veteran, Eller and his band, The American Circus, had developed a devoted international following based on dynamic live performances and an extensive catalog of idiosyncratic recordings. The iconoclastic musician has spent a decade relentlessly touring the club, theater, and festival stages of a dozen countries in North America and Europe. Eller's collaboration with the Bipeds marks an exciting new direction for a performer who has long embraced movement as a vital, expressive tool. Stacy Wolfson is a dancer, choreographer, singer, Pilates teacher, and mother of two little girls. Originally from Virginia, she spent a decade in Chicago creating and dancing with the Space Movement Project, a company she co-founded in 2005. Wolfson and her family relocated to Durham, North Carolina in 2013, where she began working as an independent choreographer. Wolfson began working closely with banjo player Curtis Eller in 2015 and subsequently formed The Bipeds. As a duo, Wolfson and Eller have performed in Charlotte, Tobacco Road Dance Productions, the Greensboro Fringe Festival, Triskelion Arts in Brooklyn, and just returned from their first mini-tour across Virginia that included the Shenandoah Fringe Festival. Wolfson occasionally sings harmony with Eller's rock and roll band, The American Circus. Aside from creating and performing, you can find her at Bull City Pilates and Massage, a studio she co-owns with her husband. This is one of the rare Artist Soapbox episodes that features two artists at once. I was really inspired and delighted by this conversation with Stacy and Curtis. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Curtis. Hi, Stacy. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having us. Likewise, thanks for having us around. So let's start with the origin story of the bipeds. How did you meet? How did this all happen? Do you want to take that? <laughs> <laughs> um, well... When I moved here, I had seen Curtis's band play, and I actually knew his drummer, Louis, from college. Um, so I had a little backstory. And our kids wound up in the same elementary school together. So we kind of pretty quickly started hanging out and just as friends and just, you know. But then when I saw him perform, I, I said, oh, he moves, and I want to collaborate. And I knew it instantly. Um, 
And so we started talking about collaborating, and it didn't really happen right away. Um, I think he wanted me to potentially choreograph a video. I had a video, I had a song on the album about Busby Berkeley, who is the 1930s Hollywood choreographer. And when my bandmates told me that Stacy was a choreographer, I said, we're making a video for this thing. And that was the first time I think I ever spoke to you about. Mm -hmm. So she was going to choreograph a big Hollywood style song and dance number to this weird banjo song. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, never happened. <laughs> it never happened. But something else happened. But something else happened. We, um, I kind of roped him and his band into doing a show where I just <clears throat> choreographed to his pre-existing tunes, and then we put it all on stage with his full band and, and a cast of four dancers, and it worked, and it was really great, but then we were like, we need to start from scratch. Hmm. We need to take this further. And people also, that was our feedback from the audiences. We want to see you push that collaboration a little bit. The whole conceit of the project was that the band was not separate from the dancers. Hmm. The band also moved and got into the space with the dancers and were choreographed into it, more or less. Mm -hmm. But the first project really was... It was an experiment. The, yeah, it was the Bipeds Dance Company with the American Circus, sort of jammed into a space that was so small that we had to be in with the dancers. Mm -hmm. um, but as as Stacy said, we said, if we could start from zero and write the pieces with this in mind. And so when you decided to start from zero and create something new together, how did those first rehearsals go? Where do you... They're terrifying. How do you start? <laughs> I thought they were awesome. Well, yes, but we, most awesome things are terrifying, right? Truth. We came in with nothing, and I said, just start playing something, and I will start moving, and let's just see what happens. And We really did start from zero. We started from zero. I think, I think you had a riff that you, yeah, that luckily, you brought in. Luckily, at that particular moment, I was struggling with a debilitating bout of writer's block. So I had nothing. <laughs> so we went into it, and uh, I just started playing, and she started moving. I think we started in my living room, actually. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you were like, start moving, too. And yeah. I started moving, and then I would start singing. And, and we had a purpose because we had gotten into <clears throat> Tobacco Road dance productions. So we had a reason for starting new, and I think that helped kind of drive us along a little bit. It was pretty good because I was on tour mm -hmm. in the UK or Belgium or something, and she emailed me while I was on the road and was like, I have submitted us for Tobacco Road Dance Company's thing, so I hope that's okay because they said yes, and we start when you get back. <laughs> You're doing this. <laughs> yeah, basically. I was like, oh, he won't mind. It's and luckily, I was so exhausted on the road that I was like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'll do that. And we really did dive in as soon as you got home. I think it was like the three, same week. three yeah. days after or something. Yep. Yeah. So I was exhausted and suffering writer's block, and you were just like, go. But she's, that's, I think, your strength 
is pulling things out of people that they don't know are there. We also had like note cards of lyrics that Curtis hadn't put in songs yet. And we just kind of wrote them all out and laid them all out and and then went, okay, what can we do with these? And I started making movement phrases based on these certain lyrics. We took a picture of it to remind us, like, this was the beginning of our process. How about that? That was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and then as we got deeper into this process and we started rehearsing at ADF and we had an actual dance studio and the Tobacco Road workshops had been happening where they gave us some really great feedback. Little Green Pigs, This Is Not a Novel happened. And that was huge in, in determining how we are going about our process. Just the ability to improvise with no structure at all for three hours for like four nights in a row for two weeks straight. And the note cards came back. You know, we knew we were working with dreams and nightmares. And so we had the audience coming through, write just a couple words about a nightmare or a dream and then toss it into our little corner that we were in. And that would inform them what the dancers would do or and how the music sounded. And, you know, we kind of stole the audience's ideas. And those became songs. <clears throat> those became movement. Those became pretty much the seed of the show mm-hmm. that we're working on now. We still occasionally will do a, a purely improvised thing. Like we've done some work with uh, Stephanie Leather's company, which is called Sights. She'll get someone and have them do a pure improvisational thing, much like mm-hmm. Little Green Pigs thing. And we use it as a material generating machine. Mm-hmm. It's just where we stop thinking and just start Get into your animal brain a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Uh, and that's not something I had ever done. I'm a bit more, I sit by myself and I work the shit out of this song until it is like a perfectly constructed thing and then I spring it on the band. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time I've ever allowed myself to do the embarrassing part in front of but others. But it unlocked your writer's block. It did, yeah. In I a mean, major way. Once I started writing the material for the bipeds, that also generated a bunch of material for the American Circus and everything else. So So you have paired music and dance in a way that makes sense to me, but may seem unconventional to other people. Why does this make sense to you? Why do you think this works? The best way to explain why it's different but familiar when people see it it will have the look of song and dance but the musicians and the dancers are unseparable (laughs) inseparable (laughs) um insufferable (laughs) because i will have started with a riff that causes her to move in a specific way that makes me sing something when i can't figure out what the next lyric should be She will present a direction for the movement. Oh, then we need to go to the other corner or we need to start doing a a more kinetic thing. And then I'll say, oh, well, that's where a bridge has to go. So the music changes there. And likewise, if she says, I'm not really sure what the dance is supposed to do here, I can say, as a songwriter, this is where the chorus needs to go. Whenever the dance has a question that it can't answer, the music can answer that question. When the music 
has an unanswerable question, the dance can frequently answer it. So the songs will be familiar in their colors and shapes because I write songs in that way, likewise with the movement, but they'll be stacked in a way that wouldn't have happened if we weren't working it together. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it's old school. It's it's song and it's dance, and it's been done forever. It just happens to be with a modern dancer and a banjo player. But like, look at vaudeville. It's happened forever. Look at Broadway. What we're doing is like a musical without any words. There's no text. There's no speaking. There's only movement and song. And we wanted to push that collaboration so much that suddenly the viewer does not know anymore who is a dancer, who is a musician, who is in the band. We don't want it to be apparent who is doing what. We want everyone's roles to be blurred together. So it just is a cohesive thing. That's good. If you think about the body, your voice comes out of your body. And so singing... Which is newer for me. I, you know, it's only been a year really that I've been singing in front of people. I sing in choir, but you know, in front of people by myself, singing harmony, which is terrifying. I'm getting over it. <laughs> <laughs> but it comes out of your body and it makes me make different movement choices than I would if I wasn't making any sound. And that to me is fascinating. We, we talk about validating singing as choreographing the lungs. Some moves are with the arms and the legs and the spine, but the lungs and the breath are just another part of the body. It's just that choreography happens to be internal. And it sometimes happens when you're working with the dancers, with Bill and Jesse, they'll say, it's strange that we're just standing here and singing. It's like, but you're not just standing there. You're still moving. Yeah, you're moving a lot. When you sing, there's a lot of movement all through the body there. It just happens to be mostly inside. But that radiates out. And from a from a from a Pilates nerd standpoint, just the act of your diaphragm moving inside your body can make you make a movement choice. And that it reads on stage, I think. Even if you think you're not moving, you are still moving. Mm-hmm. I love this collaboration for many reasons. You know, we think about things, I think, as humans, we tend to think about things as being very separate from one another. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. I use this part of my body. I use that part of my body. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times we walk around thinking that we're just uh, brains <laughs> and who happen to be, right. you know, somehow mobile. Um, and so one of the things I like about this collaboration so much is that it opens our awareness to how all of these things connect. Our bodies are our musical instruments and yes. the, the original musical instruments. Right. So... Being able to expand our awareness and be in conversation with all of those parts of ourselves and with this expanded idea of what it means to have conversations between different types of art making, I think is really... So when I see you, even when I see you on film... Your faces are up. Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're paying attention. You've expanded your field of awareness. It looks like, and you're communicating in a way that um, is not 
head down, mm-hmm. isolated mm-hmm. feeling. And, so, and I think that that, when it is live, affects the audience as well. It's like we are all in this space together. We're having this conversation. And I think it's really, um, and it's inspiring. It makes a lot of sense to me. It's, yeah, you have to remain present when when you're this deep into a collaboration. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that you have to kind of think about and and embody at once while you're in performance. That eye contact is critical. So I think that's the reason why. That's what's behind that is that we have to keep in watching the, each other constantly. We're in the room with this person or these people whether it's the other performers mm-hmm. or the writing partner or the audience, like that combination of people in that space at that time never happens again. So you got to be on point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were talking about not compartmentalizing things. And I think technology is finally catching up to what humans can do. And by that, I kind of mean when recorded sound was new and people had records in their homes for the first time or the radio. You read stories about people being slightly freaked out by the idea of a disembodied voice mm. because it didn't make any sense to just have that part of what the human did. It was supposed to be dancing also. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be breathing in front of you. And it was a strange thing. And we've gotten used to it. And we've compartmentalized it. And I'm a big silent film fan, but that was another weird thing where they were able to get just the sight. So it was just the movement. Mm -hmm. And then there was another compartment that was just the voices and the instruments. And there was another one that was just, you know, it, it separated it all. And now technology has gotten to the point where what we do, which can't be separated, can be presented because... You know, it's 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 live sound, it's recorded sound, it's dancing, it's film, it's it's able to be presented, I think, mm-hmm. for the first time. We've talked a little bit about collaboration being one of the foundational points of the bipeds. And on your website, you talk about pursuing a collaborative ideal, bringing together performers of various disciplines to seek out the elusive flashes of inspiration that flare up when their disparate techniques intersect. Do you have examples of a flash of inspiration that you've experienced from the intersections of techniques? Yes? Many, many examples. There's one really specific one for us. Go. Well, one of the guiding principles of the bipeds is... If you can show up, you get to do the cool stuff. So who is a biped at the moment changes a lot. And one day, rehearsal got kind of shut down because of the snowstorm. And Stacy said, we should film something in this (laughs) snowstorm. And so we got all ready to do it. And we called uh, Alex Manis, our friend here at Shadowbox Studio, and said, hey, you want to come film us? And he's like, oh, it's cold. I don't want to do it. Stacy goes, well, I'll just do it on my cell phone. It'll be fine. He's like, going, no, 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 I'll come out. I'll do it. So he showed up. And we had written this song about gravi- about falling. And so we're like, oh, that'll be the one we do in the snow because the snow is falling. And the footage that Alex shot of us just kind of. Was so stunning. It was so beautiful. so captivating. That I immediately went home. And wrote two new verses to the song that didn't exist musically or lyrically before about the snow. 
that got put onto the front of the song and completed a song that had always felt slightly at loose ends. Mm -hmm. There was always something missing about it. But just Stacy and me and Alex were the bipeds that showed up. I mean, Stacy, you are often the one that's like, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> right now, this is the only time this is going to happen. Let's just do it. Who can be here, right, like in five minutes? Mm-hmm. The peer pressure is real, and most of the time something comes out of that. Most of the time something happens and someone is down to, to, to do it, which is astounding to me most of the time. For some reason, people want to get in on this. You know, Jim Haverkamp and Alex Manis have been working with us on the film aspect of it, and their work is stunning, and it's elevated the art to a new level that I didn't know was there. Likewise, uh, Joseph DeJarnett, our audio engineer and bass player, just got a bug about it. He was like, this is cool. I'm going to do this. And he's working in the studio with him to record the songs, which I thought were going to end up sounding rather folky folky and dusty, and but they're full of this psychedelic imagery and the lyrics and he clued into it and he's been pushing the recordings in this very uh 1968 kind of psychedelic way psychedelic yeah it's it's and he's performing with us on stage and we just completed a little mini tour in virginia where he performed with us and he's the best. Like, he'll also move. He'll fall down with his upright bass. He'll scream lyrics at us, and he, he gets he gets there, and he gets what we're going after. And it's, you know, all these little pockets of things that we're doing directly influence the choreography and what's going into our June show. You said he gets it. He gets what we're going after. What is that? The weird. He gets the weird. He gets the strange <laughs> thing that... We can look at each other on stage and just make a decision in live performance. And, and I don't think everybody can do that. I think, you know, dancers need to have choreography most of the time and they need to have a plan. And He's a, a longtime collaborator and friend and colleague of mine. I, we worked together for years when the two of us worked in, lived in New York City. Um, he was in a band called the Wyos, and I was in my band, and we were kind of compatriots. And had, there was a little bit of competition between the two bands, um, and shared inspiration. But they were also very much a live thing. Everything that Stacy talks about that she liked about my band when she saw it—that we were moving and that we were in the moment—his band was also that way. So he brings that along. Mm-hmm. I think he is a person who sees you as someone who gets it. Like you're saying, he gets mm. it. He, it's it's rare to find somebody that's that present in a performance. You were alluding to some, you're calling them short companion videos to the piece that we're going to talk about in a little bit and that you worked on with Jim Haverkamp and Alex Manus. And I remember having a conversation with Jim when I was, getting ready for another podcast about a month ago. And he was talking about how inspiring it was to work with you all because it really did feel like a collaboration instead of making a music video. Mm -hmm. So you weren't asking him to show up, Mm -hmm. shoot your music video the way that you wanted to shoot it. It really was a conversation Mm -hmm. 
and his work and Alex's work were affecting your work and vice versa. And so it, it changed, it transformed over the course of the creation. And I haven't heard of that happening with very many, um, very many groups before. What was that like? I think what we, what we, what we're good at is giving our artists, whoever it may be, a little bit of freedom to come in with their ideas. We certainly have ours that we throw to, you know, throw on the table. But then they, these other artists, come in and they go, well, what about what about this? And we're never the type of people to to not hear that. And I, that's what I'm interested in. What can you bring that's going to enhance this experience? And working with Jim has been amazing because he also gets it. He comes in and he sees what we're doing and he'll film it in a way or edit it in a way that completely complements the song. Kind of blows my mind. Changes our understanding of what the piece is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then and then I can then take that and put that in the show. Um, yeah, she re-choreographed parts based on... How the film turned out. Yeah, I mean, we were able to be weird around Jim and Alex, too. I get a little shy about that around most people and have to... But we were trying to do parts of the choreography. In a field. In a field. <laughs> and that was fine and it was good, but it didn't feel alive. Yeah. So that barely made it into the film. But a good chunk of it was Jim and Stacy saying, well, let's just go over by this you know, rusty barbed wire fence and see if we can fuck about without hurting ourselves. <laughs> and I think we kind of did hurt ourselves. <laughs> well, we did hurt ourselves. But he brought that. And, and I think that another thing you were saying, you were, Stacey is like the most, the best catalyst for collaboration that I've ever met. You have a way of seeming in control of everything without telling anyone what to do. That's good. My, you know, my children would not agree. <laughs> but it is, I think you said everyone brings things. There seems to be no bruised egos anywhere in this project. Like people come on with things, whether it be film things or music things. Jack, will, our drummer, will play all manner of things. And we'll try everything. And no one seems to feel bad when we go, no. It doesn't even feel like there's a no, but I know that a lot of things have been chopped off and went away. I think we're good at going, well, that's not working, but what about this? And just asking that question. And that opens up a few more options, and then we'll we'll all try it together and see what works the best as a group. Usually it ends up when something gets cut or we put the kibosh on something, it's usually because everyone bursts out laughing because it's cheesy. Like, we get to a point where it's just corny and, like, not like, cool no. at all. And It feels very much like, and I mean this as a compliment, it feels like 
mutual inspiration society. You know, yep. it's like your your inspiration ripples out and then affects other people, and then it ripples back to you, and then ripples out, and mm -hmm. that is that is what we're about, right? It's it's Absolutely. the making of the thing. That is a and, conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. We're yeah. not we're having a conversation, not giving a speech, right? right. I think it's that simple. Right. I, I and I do think. Another aspect of that and that we've talked about a lot is for most of the people involved, although it's kind of in many ways our main – for the two of us, kind of the, our main project. I have like two, I guess. But most of the people involved, this is the other project that their hang-ups and egos and frustrations are not attached to. The bipeds are the thing that – you're free to like do your crazy shit for us, and we're like gonna go. Yeah, do it. That's not crazy enough, <laughs> you know. And it makes everyone seems very happy all the time mm -hmm. to be. Oh, know. it's a gift, absolutely. So I want to get into this piece that you are performing in June, and this is titled "54 Strange Words That Will Be Performed uh, June 21st through 24th." at the Fruit Company in Durham. And I will include all that information in the show notes for folks cool. to get more info and tickets and all that stuff. So the work that you've been doing over the past year has been leading up to this evening length production. And on your website, it says, the, vi the bipeds present 54 strange words an ambitious evening-length production that treads along the mysterious threshold between dreams and reality while blurring the line between dance and song. Choreographer Stacey Wolfson and music director Curtis Eller draw the show's imagery from a series of nightmares and the failure of language to adequately express these unsettling visions. You talked a little bit about it early in our conversation, some of the inspirations for this piece, and but... When audiences attend, what will they be experiencing? Take that. <laughs> <laughs> we are working a lot with the idea that when you have a dream and then you wake up from this dream, and, and even though this dream was so real and so clear in your mind, that when you try to retell it to somebody – you can't, and you can't remember the details anymore. Everything is hazy and fuzzy, and and then... The act of saying it yeah. with human language causes it to dissolve. Hmm. Like you, Saying and, it you know, destroys e it. Example, like, I had a dream about a woman wearing a yellow dress that tried to kill me. Okay, but... But then I try to tell you about it, and I go, she was wearing a dress. Was but it, it a dress? it wasn't a dress. <laughs> and she was you. But when I say she was you. She was really a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> it loses its potency. Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. That. That's, that's the essence of the show. That's but everybody we... knows what that is. Because you can do that when you're telling someone, you go, so you were coming up the escalator, but it wasn't you. It was, you know, it's the dream thing. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So go on. Yeah. Like it's just, we don't have to play with that. So the lyrics to the show are very much like that, I think. Mm -hmm. And the movement, it's like it's familiar and it's repeating and we know what's going on and the language is all familiar. But it's almost like that moment where the more 
you talk and the more details you fill in, the less you know.、Mm. It's like it's more mysterious after you've described it than beforehand. Like, am I saying that right? Yeah. Yep.、Um, yeah. So it's like there's a lot of dense language. That makes that, zero sense. <laughs> it leaves it leaves you with less information than you started with, right? Or it's an invitation、mm-hmm. to create your own. Right. We don't want to answer these、meaning. questions necessarily for the audience. We just wanted to wash over them. The, the dream thing is also kind of a little bit of a a gimmick for us to be off the hook for making normal sense. Like a way for us to not judge what we're saying. What we're doing it is like it's psychedelic and it's weird. And from a from a choreographer standpoint, I'm a little bit anti-text in dance. I don't love it most of the time unless it's done really, really well. So I didn't want that. I didn't want any of that. So we're using the songs, the lyrics, the words, and the movement as a way to. That is the only way. That any of us on stage can communicate is through movement or through singing, through music,、um, and I think that makes us make interesting choices there.、Mm-hmm. Who will be performing? The two of us. We have William Commander and Jesse Knight and Dana Marks, and then、uh, the band consists of Jack Fleischman, Jack Fleischman, Fleischman,、uh, Joe DeJarnet, and、uh, William Dawson. Yeah. And everyone moves and everyone sings. Yeah, to varying degrees. There are some people that are rooted mainly in the band, and it's kind of we all fall somewhere on that spectrum.、Mm-hmm. Bill and Jesse are primarily dancers, but they sing really well, a lot, and they're really good at it. And there'll be moments when they sort of become part of the band. And Jack and William. Are likely to be more frequently rooted to the band part of it, but they will come forward at points and they will be engaged in this. And then Stacy and I kind of equally inhabit both worlds, as does Joe Bass. So it's kind of you know, there's what is it, seven of us? Dana, Dana, Dana too. And Dana, Dana has a very specific role. I don't even know how to talk about what Dana's thing is. Like、Dana's her- role came from a dream that she had about a very, very tall person that kept appearing in her dream. So right away we said, "Oh, we need you to be really tall the whole time." So she's on stilts. Oh wow! The、Wonderful. whole the whole show. So she's、yeah. like this nine foot tall singing creature that also moves, but she is. She has to make very careful movement choices so that she doesn't fall off these stilts. <laughs> <laughs> so she is like. Kind of the the world that we are inhabiting. She is like a direct representation of this nightmarish world. She's the embodiment of the environment.、Mm. Yeah. So tell me if I have this right or wrong. What you're talking about this this evening evening length piece. It's not it's not a series of songs like a set list. It's not like one song, one song, one song. It and it's also not.、Uh, A play with a c- tightly constructed narrative, and you know, and then the mom does this, and then the dad does this, and then、right. blah blah blah. So, but it's some sort of a hybrid of all of, of these. It's like a concept album. 
the basic construct will be all of these improvisational things that we've worked through and written have been finally sort of built into songs and dances. And there are seven seven songs, I think. So it moves from song to song, but there are transitions between it. So it'll, the way, you know, a Pink Floyd record, you're listening to one song and then it kind of gets like bleary for a minute and then suddenly it's another song. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be that that way. It, I, I'm a sucker for old psychedelic records and things like that, as are you, I think. And so we we kind of been working with this word sepiadelic. Which is sort of like a sepia-tinged psychedelic thing, because um, the music is all banjo music, and we we have sort of like scratching, but it'll be done on Victrolas with seven waves. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that, in fact, is how we got Joe Bass into the project. We showed up to record this song. It was like, can you play your 78s backwards? And he's like, yes, I can, and I want in this project. And then he's playing the... 78 backwards while we're practicing it. Brrr, you know, this old gospel record, like, going backwards. Suddenly a mouse comes out from behind a rocking chair and starts shaking and convulsing. And our drummer, Jack, says, that guy is not exhibiting typical mouse-like behavior. And then it died. <laughs> so we're like... Like a bad omen. Our first recording session, we killed a mouse with... Backwards gospel seventy eight with your sepiadelic. Yes, <laughs> so the sepiadelic uh, thing is real. <laughs> I think it's also, it's also a, a sign that what you're doing is really deep. it's like vibrational. I don't know. <laughs> it, Birds are flying backwards. Fish are leaping from the uh, yeah. The ocean. So it just felt like something that we would have put in the lyrics or the movement. You know this shaking mouse thing or like and then the mouse came out like it was completely off the rails too on the nose too psychedelic too scary and we're in this like 1926 farmhouse with victrolas and banjos around and this psychedelic thing happened so um i I mean the thing in the press release they always say is like that it's like the it's like a world war one veterans first acid trip I love a Victrola also. Mm-hmm. Let, me just, let me just note yeah. that. What are you most looking forward to with this performance? Getting on stage. For me, yeah. I I love performing with Curtis. I think it's maybe the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Um, and this cast is just incredible. And I'm looking forward to getting all the pieces to put together and doing it. Why do you think it's one of the most fulfilling things you've ever done? It's pushing me. It's making me push myself. Um, I'm singing, I, which is so thrilling for me. And it, it makes me have to dig deeper and get through the nervous tension and come out on the other side. And I think that's been a, a little bit of a, a blockage for me. And I feel like I've like unlocked it. I wonder if it's when we get to a certain point in our kind of artistic journey, even if we don't think of it consciously, subconsciously, we're like, all right, I know what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've trained for. And then I'll speak for myself. I kind of 
run in that little rut. It's like, oh, this is familiar. Exactly. I know how to do this. Exactly. You know, I got this and look at me. Look at me. And so being um, encouraged to step out of that is terrifying, but also really liberating and opens this possibility of yes. thinking of yourself as an artist with even more dimension than yes. you initially thought of yourself having. That makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a what a wonderful gift. And Curtis, I noticed in your biography you talk about the bipeds being a an exciting new direction and sparking a renewed focus and all of that. What what is it about this group that is inspiring you? It's kind of what you guys were just talking about. I think I've been a a professional songwriter, rock and roll singer, band leader for I had no other visible means of support uh, since 2001, I guess. So it's been a long time. And there were, I was going to say there are, but there were rules to what I did or something. And I think that was what was causing my writer's block and doing this project. All the rules were were off. Jamie, my wife, said, well, whenever a band or musician has been around for a long time, there gets to be this moment when they don't want to be that band anymore. And then they stop being the Beatles and they start being Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Or they stop being XTC and they start being the Dukes of Stratosphere. And it's like this other thing. And then they get to the other side of that and they're then the Beatles are weird after that or whatever, you know, and I, and I think that it's had that effect on, on me. The, the improvisation thing is totally new. Like you're saying like, like singing and performing this way is like a new, it's pushed you into a new direction. And for me being able to like forget all the hangups of what it is I do. I can stop defining myself. It's a, it's allowed a lot more freedom. And what are you most <laughs> looking forward to for in this performance? Just getting it up on stage and seeing if it like walks around. You know, it's been a long time coming, and it's hard, exhausting work too. And it got there were points when I wasn't sure that we could actually physically pull it off, but we've just been on tour, sort of in. Virginia for a few days and we were forced to do kind of a half hour version of it in a in a, church. In a Methodist church. Uh, we had to move the holy water thing out of the way and and we were able to do it and we found all kinds of new stuff. Even at this late stage where it's already up on in front of an audience and we were finding stuff that I had no idea was in it. I want to say too that even though most of these pieces are set pieces. The choreography is pretty set. There are always, as in any performance, but particularly with this guy, unpredictable elements. And that's what I'm looking forward to. That is my favorite shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the danger, you know. What's going to actually happen on stage? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, it's going to be different every single time, and that's the flavor I like. Yeah. And it's it's why we go see live exactly. performance. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, not only to be in a space physically with other people and yeah. synchronize our breathing and all that, but also just because it's 
Who knows? Who knows? And that right. is such a, and an I exciting, love it. Yes. especially when you know that the people on stage have it. Like, you guys have it. We don't have to worry about you. Now let's just experience right. it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that's... Well, they should worry about themselves. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the audience is never safe with us. <laughs> so <laughs> what's next? I know that this piece, you haven't, you haven't put it up at the fruit yet, but have you thought about what is going to happen after that with 54 Strange Words? Yeah, it's a very modular piece, for one thing, because of how it's been constructed. Each element of it, I keep talking about them as songs, but they're really pieces, because I, I, I do think that it's a dance company first. Mm-hmm. So they are modular. The pieces can be taken apart and reconstructed in different ways, and we have duo versions, we have trio versions. We can just do them as a band, as songs. We can take the truer parts of it to a fringe festival and do it as like a 15-minute dance piece. So I I think there's just going to be a lot of getting this stuff out on the road and... And making more. Making more. I don't want to stop. I think this is... We're already like, well, we've written these ones. What's the next ones we're going to write? I love the idea of this being a piece that is cohesive but also modular, as yeah. you mentioned. What a great way to put something together that you then will also stand alone in these individual smaller versions and right. still be really meaningful. That seems like a really smart way to make a thing because it has a life, has a lot of possibilities for life um, yeah. in different ways. Yeah. it's it's uh... And the way we function is because of the, you know, specific collaborators we're working with, we can be just a band. Or we can be a dance company, or we can do both of those things at the same time. So it gives us a lot of options. One frequent way we get out on the road is Stacy will get us into a, it's so far been mostly various fringe festivals. And so the bipeds will be booked to be part of like the dance showcase at the Shenandoah Fringe Festival or the Greensboro Fringe Festival or wherever it happens to be. Or we're doing next year the North Carolina. We're doing Boom, which is in Charlotte. Yeah, what is it called? North Carolina North, Dance. North, yeah, North Carolina Dance Festival. So we get that as the anchor gig. And it's like, well, we're going to be there to do the dance thing, and then. I'll use my contacts as a musician to just book two or three other shows gigs in the region that are just gigs at a bar, and then we become a band. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and she knows all the songs from the American Circus, so you kind of live in both worlds, mm-hmm. as do I. So, like, we that kind of started out in New York. She had booked us into this theater called Triskelion Arts as part of a dance showcase. I was like, well, while we're there, let's play some gigs, and and we did, and so we did a gig where we just sang, and then we went and did that. So it kind of lives in both worlds. Oh, I love that. So much fun. Yeah, wonderful. I have a final question, and this has to do with conversations I've been having with other artists about why we spend our time this way, and because Curtis, you mentioned. You know, it's exhausting. It's tiring. It takes a lot of time. You don't know where it's going to lead. All of this vulnerability, blah, blah, blah. Why Why are you doing this? Why are you making mm-hmm. this art in this way at the end of the day? Can you I'm not a person. Can you tell me why yeah. I'm doing why this? Why are we doing this? 
<laughs> I thought we might check in on that before we close. That's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm a person, like a whole human being, if I can't express myself this way. That movement is... I've done it since I was four years old. If I stopped, I'm not sure what would happen. It would probably not be pretty. Mm. My children wouldn't like me very much. I can (laughs) tell you that much. I have to. I don't have another answer. I have to. Yeah, I I don't really know how to do anything else. Uh, This particular project, outside of my other things, has too been, as you know, I for years I wanted to work with a dance thing. Because I take a lot of people see my band and go, oh, you jump around a lot. It's like, no, it's more than that. It's like I take the movement seriously, even though it looks funny. And you were the first person to ever grab em- that. Yeah, embrace it. And, you know, so it's, it fulfills a long ambition I had that I couldn't do on my own. Thank you both so much for being here and having this conversation with me. Artist Soapbox is recorded at Shadowbox Studio in Durham, North Carolina. Check out their website at shadowboxstudio.org. This is Artist Soapbox, and we're out.